Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast, brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 140, recorded live on February 13th, 2010. And here are your hosts, the delegation from Ann Arbor, Dave Pillay. Hi. The delegation from Kalamazoo, Andy Lowe. Hi. And our guest this week, the delegation from Houston, Johnny Nero. Hello. I tried going a whole Olympic theme there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I kind of caught it. I was thinking like Harley Pro or something. No, because they always announce the groups as the delegation from wherever, but I, yeah. I would have... No, I, so, I was ready to start like pulling out my old crib sheets from Model UN and be like, I move to do such and such. No. This one, you just have to walk in and wave your hand. See, and my flag. If you would have given me like 10 seconds, I probably would have given you some sort of long name to beat the delegation from Macedonia because aren't they like the delegation from the former Republic of the Soviet Union of Macedonia or something like um, that? No, it was the, the former <laughs> Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia or something like that. It was weird. But yeah, the Olympic opening ceremony was last night. Yep. It the- was actually really cool. I was really surprised. <laughs> the one fiddle group was amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, the guys from St. John's? Yeah, they're... The, the fiddling is actually huge up in Canada. I remember um, some of the guys from the Celine Fiddlers group were actually like competing up there and there's some stiff competition. But those guys from St. John's are just crazy. I love the fact that the one tap dancer that came on after, like right after the fiddle group, like the big thing that he was, his big claim to fame is that he basically told the director, I'm the guy who needs to do this. Yeah. Like he was just that pompous. <laughs> no one else is going to be able to do this other than me. Just saying. <laughs> well, it, hey, it got him the job. Oh, yeah. But man, the audiovisual stuff that was going on with the show was just crazy. Like the Canadians know how to use PowerPoint projectors. <laughs> it seems so. The guy who was battling his own shadow, like yeah. you, you couldn't even tell when it was switching from his actual shadow to like just uh, the camera of another like pre-recorded thing. Oh no, no, you could. It's just that you just didn't care because it just looked so cool. Yeah. Although, although they're really good with projectors, but they for some strange reason can't operate doors. <laughs> oh yeah, that was Dave. Did you actually watch the opening ceremonies or no? I I did not. Oh. I was busy playing Cranium. Well, um, the very last thing, you know how they always light the cauldron? Well, Canada really wanted to be the modest Canada that it is. And so they were mm. going to have the last four carriers of the torch light the cauldron at the same time with this cool-looking, yeah. like, four-armed thing that came out of the floor and it would rotate and everything. Yeah, I heard something about, like, four mountains rising and one of them wouldn't come up. Yeah, there was... It, three out of the four were able to work. Oops. And I felt so bad for Greg because he was the guy who was getting all the television attention and you could see on his face as he was just standing there as they were trying to get the door open and the thing up he's just like okay what do i do <laughs> like uh-huh. yeah he had that he had that look on his face he's like <laughs> oh man that was i thought it worked perfectly up to that very point and that's like like bob costa said it's like for the one time you want everything to go perfectly it doesn't <laughs> Everything else could go horribly, but lighting of the cauldron, you need to have it be perfect. And that's what fucked up. Yeah, yeah but, but they got a second chance because they're not allowed to light a cauldron indoors and keep that one burning. So mm-hmm. they had Gretzky run out of the stadium, put him in the back of a truck, and drove him across town to the actual cauldron. Yeah, there's right. there's rulings that says like the cauldron must be able to be seen from large distances away. I forgot exactly what it's supposed to be, so it has to be outdoors and visible to all people. Although, so. the funny thing about that is that there was one little moment after he lit it where the flame went out on the track that goes up to the top of the cauldron. It was like Oops. a two-second moment where you were like, um, is this going to light? <laughs> 
They're going to see like some guy with like a Bic lighter just going, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, that's what happened in, uh, what was it, in Atlanta where one of the guys in that Olympics during the Olympic relay race, like he tripped and fell and the Olympic flame went out. And so he Oops. had like some other guy light it with like his lighter. <laughs> yeah, my mom and I got into this discussion because the rules are is that the flame is never allowed to go out. So they have like mini cauldrons in stops like where it's going to be an overnight kind of thing so that the relay runners can uh, go to rest. sleep. Yeah, can rest. So they light this mini cauldron and then everyone goes to bed. But the question is, is that since the flame starts in Athens, especially for the summer games, what do they do on planes? Oh, they actually are uh, special um, units actually built yep. to keep the so flame lit. It keeps burning. So, so it keeps burning, but it actually is not like, doesn't suck up all the oxygen in the plane. Oh, wow. I didn't realize yeah, that. They, I was, yeah, I was wondering about that too when the games were in the Greece games because it was literally going to go and stop at every single Olympic point before Greece and then actually come all the way back full circle to Greece. And they were like, oh, it's going to have to go on planes. And they're like, yeah, they built these whole special contraptions for the Olympic flame. It's weird, like the technological marvels of fire. Well, yeah, and it's also weird about how much technology goes into these opening ceremonies. That's like you're just looking at it's like, I want that. <laughs> I, man, I you know what I want is I want the stage that the Who played on during the Super Bowl. That was cool. Although I, I was talking to someone who went to the Super Bowl and he said that there was one panel that was just completely wiped the whole show. <laughs> really? Because I, I was I didn't see it on. They did a good job editing that for TV. Then I, yeah, I didn't I didn't see it on television. I actually asked him. I was like, no, there was one. There was one panel of that stage. It just wasn't working. Huh? Oops. Yeah. Well, I still want it. Well, <laughs> Dave, if if you really want to get, you can't get the stage. But you can get the performance. Really? Yes. The, where? The, the, on Rock Band. This sounds vaguely like a topic. Yes, where? yes, it does. You can go to the, the Rock Band music oh, store. Yes, that. And you can buy the, the Who Super Bowl Smash Up on Xbox Live. It's also out on the Wii, but it's not on the PS3 yet. But for two bucks, you could, you could play the Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah, I, with their their first like medley of their songs. Yes, which included all of the uh, CSI themes. Well, it was on CBS. What else did you expect? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. If there was a copy of their contract, it would say you must play the songs from CSI. <laughs> they're not bad songs. It's like they're, no, they're not. But it's just it's kind of like you know, there's there's so many other songs that you'd like the Hootie to to play. And yeah, not really gonna work that way of course i don't really see why people would buy this medley when you can just have the full songs when i'm i think it's not just the medley though i think it's the the whole performance like it is the exact performance from the halftime show they except you'll be on key (laughs) i'm sorry did i just make fun of the who yes okay uh i mean i'd love to check it out and see but seeing as how my xbox red ring last week uh not really gonna I'm soon. Have you looked up the error code? Or yeah, are you just sending it in? It's an E73. It has something to do with the Ethernet port, which pisses me off because it, I haven't used the Ethernet port in a year and a half. Well, maybe that's why it's complaining. <laughs> it's like, dude, you're not connecting me to the internet? There's this Fuck whole thing, you. This whole thing called <laughs> Xbox Live, you know. I mean, it's like the whole reason to own an Xbox. <laughs> it's called wireless adapter, folks. Oh, I'm I am kind of surprised that the Ethernet port is throwing a red ring though. It's a it's a single red light. It's not a red. Oh, ring. so it's not a full red ring. Yeah. And so it doesn't work with just the the single red. No, it, not at all. I can't. It just put, pops up the E73 error message. But anyway, that's not the topic. I just wanted to. <laughs> like we ever stay on topic. I mean, come on. <laughs> Who do you think you're dealing with? This isn't Epic Default, Johnny. This is the Random Access Podcast. Wait a minute. Wait. Did you just surmise that the Epic Default Podcast actually stays on topic? No. No. 
We've you guys on a lot. How often? How often, we looked at how long you've been on. How often is Epic Default on? Uh, let's see. ClickPick's been on three. Johnny's been on four. Oz has been on two. two. So we've had Epic Default on nine times out of 140 episodes. Doing. Leave us alone. Go away. <laughs> Dave, we're the ones who are asking them to be on. They're not. <laughs> Look at it. If it wasn't for us, have a guest on the podcast at the episode. Six percent. Yeah, but we've only been doing guests really since episode 100. Well, I was the first guest, wasn't I? No. No. Well, of the of this run of guests, I should say. You were on episode 100, which was our, our first <laughs> let's start having guests on every week. Well, okay, so if we're doing from episode 100... Tony's been on twice, Johnny's been on three times, and Otis has been on two. And Mo has been on two. Yes. So let's see, out of 40 episodes, they've been five, seven. So seven out of 40, 17.5%. Hey, the failure rate of the Xbox. <laughs> so anyway, what were we talking about? Xbox, what? Um, <laughs> Super Bowl, what? Uh, um, oh, the, the who? No, Red Octane's Rock gone. Band. Red Octane's gone? Gone. Activision. Like the company's been destroyed? Well, like, no, because Activision bought Red Octane. Yeah. Right? They have and closed. Guitar Hero with them. Yeah, they've closed the Red Octane office, and they're moving the people back to the main Santa Monica headquarters. So basically, oh, Red Octane itself has been kind of shut down. You know huh. why, they're, because, why are they doing that? Uh, apparently, there was an announcement that uh, Activision made to IGN, at least, or like they, had, like they have like these monthly merchandising or money calls, I forget what they call them, but they talk to a bunch of the gaming media and talk about it. And and apparently this year they've decided to cut back on their music game franchises. In other words, they're only going to release a sequel to, to, to DJ Hero and another sequel to Guitar Hero. Yeah, because last year was, what, 25 SKUs? Yeah. This year there are only going to be 10 SKUs. So there are still going to be five different versions of each of those games, basically. Yep. <laughs> and they still need some of the people to make the plastic guitars. That's probably why they haven't fully shut down Red Octane yet. Yeah, but they've actually completely closed also the guys who did uh, Guitar Hero Van Halen. So That's actually a smart move. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see the problem with that. Yeah. I mean, it sucks that they lost their job, but yeah, just... <laughs> No. I honestly think Activision was like, oh yeah, Guitar Hero is great. Let's just flood the market. And now they're getting the repercussions from it where they're like, oh, music sales have been down. Oh, it's, what are it's we going to do? It's the quintessential. You know what's funny about the music game genre? It's kind of gone the way of music back in the early 80s is we're going to flood the market with so much new music because music is, is being sold so well. And then people just, but it's all like, Stop buying it. it's all this, this, this over-processed, get stuff, something out there real quick. So it's not quality anymore and people stop buying it and then they start accusing oh well the market isn't there anymore and it's like the market isn't there because you started putting out crappy stuff which is exactly like the video game market right around et <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> put that one full circle yep let's see what other topics we got going something on about learning from history gaming's history what is this what did i do we have something about gaming history what oh uh, that article that, that article is uh, a guy has basically uh makes an editorial piece about should should gaming have a history like is it right that new gamers not gamers who, who've grown up with the old technology like the Atari and the Commodore and the Nintendo, yeah. but that new gamers should know their roots. Is it is is it something? Well, that, it's not it's, necessary. It's certainly interesting. I have a book on gaming history. It's the ultimate history of video games. I think is what it's called. I, I don't from know. Pong to Pokemon. But the guy brings up some good points. Is that are you really considered a gamer if you haven't played games like Zelda or Super Mario Brothers? Or of course you are. Yeah, I mean you are. But yeah. it's like with me, it, 
it's kind of one of those things where you really should know where gaming has come from in right. order to make the same mistakes again. So I'm, I'm going to put a, a plug for something that's completely not mine at all. And actually, I, I need to make a mark about this author. The Ultimate History of Video Games, From Pong to Pokemon, The Story Behind the Craze That Touched Our Lives and Changed the World. It is on Amazon.com for $13.57. Is it on Kindle? I don't know. Okay. I doubt it. I keep asking that because I actually have the Kindle app on my iPhone and I really want to get back into reading, but I don't want to buy books since I have the app on my iPhone. Yeah, but it's a good book. It takes you up to just, I think, right after the release of the newest gen. So like 2007. I want to say it's a really good kind of comprehensive guide to the history, not the graphics and not really examples of the games, but what was going on with the companies and why they made the decisions they made and who was in charge and what was happening. Hmm. It's a really good book. Yeah, I think this guy, you know, he, he brings up some very good points in this article. Uh, I mean, like I said, with me is I feel that all gamers don't necessarily have to play the games to be called gamers, but you should give yourself a summarization of where we've come from, of what of yeah. what done beforehand. I, it's it's kind of like, you know, the Beatles being the most influential band of our time. You know, the music is still rather relevant and even if it isn't, it's still good to listen to so that you know what has brought on what you're currently listening to at the moment. But music can age well. That's why we're still listening to classics from what, like the 16th and 17th century? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Video games, they don't the, they don't age well. I, I, I don't that, know about that. Because if you look at, I mean, if you take the, the state-of-the-art super advanced games of the mid-90s, that is to say, uh, to, to pick an example that suits my needs, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, right? Okay. Really amazing game. Yes. Yes, compared to modern top-of-the-line games, the graphics are terrible. It's sprite-based, it's, you know, you're, you're doing a top-down view, it's crap. But don't compare it to the modern top-of-the-line games, compare it to a Flash game. You probably could program it as a Flash game. You it's could. pretty damn good as a Flash game. And I mean, and that's what the guy brings up, is that gamers today, because of the type of games that that are out and playing, the ones who haven't played those games before, are probably not going to enjoy those games because they're so simple and their graphics aren't as intensive. There aren't any mini games that, you know, if you get bored, you can go play something else while having to not still... Not true, not true. Final Fantasy had a mini game in it. But we're, I'm using Zelda as, as I a, know. Well, as Zelda a, had, had a couple mini games. You just had to go to the store to find them. Right. But it's it's one of those things where it's, you know, if you're not, if you're like me and graphics aren't the main thing and it's sort of like a story and gameplay kind of thing, you you can still have fun with classic games. They will age very well. But I mean, if it is, if graphics is, is your cup of tea, then yeah, yeah, Andy's right. Games are not going to age well because there's just always going to be that next step in graphics. That's always going to come out until eventually we're just going to have holograms in front of us. Well, it, Johnny, have you ever like just gone back and played the original Super Mario Brothers? Like, yes. Like the original one? Mm-hmm. How far did you get? Uh, well, I never got too far in that game anyway. I always uh, did the warp cheat at oh. the end of... 1-2? Yeah, 1-2. So I can't really say too far. So I'll say 1-2. <laughs> Yeah, I, at one point, because I had the Nintendo hooked up, this was back when I was, like, cleaning out all the old systems, boxing them up, making sure I knew exactly what I had and where they're all at. But trying to go back and play the original Super Mario Brothers game, I literally wanted to throw that Nintendo controller against the wall. It's and a when, hard game. Yeah, when didn't, when didn't you when you were playing it when it first came out? I mean, that's the thing about those games that I'll always preach, that I will always say to anyone about that, is that games back then were a lot tougher. Oh, yeah. Because it probably came from the old arcade days of one more quarter, one more quarter, one more exactly. quarter. Exactly. So you actually got challenged and you weren't, you didn't have your hand held. You didn't have any 30 minute tutorials of how to jump or anything like that. It threw you in the game and said, here, go. If you die, tough luck. Start over. 
Fuck you! Yeah, if you think about it, there, there is no tutorial in Super Mario Brothers. You hit the start button, the screen doesn't even change. It, you yeah. just, you are in the game. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that is, there is no tutorials. You have to learn I, about the Hammer Brothers the hard way. Yeah. Yep. I do encourage when people ask me, you know, like, because I, I do talk to kids at this point, uh, high schoolers and, and early college, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really into games and blah, blah, blah. Like, well, have you tried this? I'm like, no. I'm like, well, you really should. Like, why? It's, it looks like crap. I'm like, yeah, but it's a really good game. I don't know. Maybe we're just going the way of fans of really old movies. I don't necessarily, necessarily would agree with that because, I mean, there are games that have come out recently that I enjoy a hell of a lot that are, that are some of my favorite games. I mean, Bioshock, I think, is uh, an amazing game, amazing graphics, amazing story. You know, still kind of, I mean, unless you play on the on the hardest difficulty, still kind of grab you by the hand kind of thing. But um, that's the thing that just kind of makes me want to hit kids today, not Literally, but okay, yeah, literally. That, that everyone just focuses on the graphics. Story doesn't matter. Gameplay doesn't matter. The graphics have to look good, and that is bullshit. Well, that's why Earthbound failed in the U.S. And Earthbound is a great game. Yes, it is. Oh God, I love playing that game. It, it basically comes down to my old argument of it doesn't matter how it looks. It's just got to have the content. Exactly. Could we we see seem that. to all be in agreement here. I'm, I'm not <laughs> well, sure where this discussion's going. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just I'm trying to. It, it comes to an agreement. Yes. That the story has to be good and everything else like that but then there's a point of some of the old games just aren't that good to compare with some of the newer games that are out there like looking back at some of the the old oh, yeah. ps2 games and some the old of, original the old games are crap like even going back to some of the i've got the 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 first couple of splinter cell games here because i wanted to play the whole series before conviction comes out in april some of those games just aren't good compared to just even first generation xbox 360 games so you're talking like a matter of like five years ten years something like that yeah but i think I think that also goes back to the whole uh, saturation of the market kind of thing. I think that was the point in time. That was another little glitch in uh, the video game industry where they were just, holy crap, video games are popular. Because once the PS1 came out, like for some reason, because of the CDs and because of the, the huge jump in graphics and stuff like that, it started bringing in more of the quote-unquote jock gamer, which now have turned into the hardcore gamer where, with like the FPSs and all that kind of stuff. And so they just started shelling out as much stuff as they can because it's this new technology, it's this new graphics, we need to get as much stuff out there, and it wasn't quality. I mean, I don't think I can name a single PS2 or PS1 game that was better than an N64, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, NES, Dreamcast, let me throw that one in there, game. Yeah, there were some pretty good Dreamcast games. Having actually owned Dreamcast, I can I can honestly say that I I own a Dreamcast. It's in a box now, but and of course for this argument, we're taking out the Final Fantasy games and all that other kind of stuff because they're they already have like a boost for being Final Fantasy. They're like graded on a whole different scale. Final Fantasy off in its own territory. Yeah. All right, Dave. What's with this Final Fantasy thirteen? So Final Fantasy is is kind of you know, a guarantee selling hot item, right? Yeah. Not so much. It is selling hot. Uh, but in Japan, retailers evidently thought that they'd sell a lot more than they actually did. So they ordered a lot more than they actually needed, which means that they're starting to slash their prices because they have a lot of inventory that they need to clear out. And that sucks for us. Yeah, because what it means is that U.S. retailers will probably order less, which means that there's going to be lines and sellouts and then the price just stays up. Yep. That said, they were selling the price for about 100 bucks Because that's how <laughs> that much games go for over there. Why, did it, why nothing really sold? Brand new game, $100. Uh, no. Well, 
I, I, my guess is that's the typical start point for games in Japan. Maybe. I, I can't see any reason why they would have sold Final Fantasy for more than what it was supposed to be. So it'll probably come out at $60 here and sell out. Except for the fact that it has the words Final and Fantasy and the number 13, 13. and in it. Yeah. That- Good reason for it to sell it more than normal. No, no, no. Not sell more than it normally would, but sell at a higher price. Yeah, that would be a good reason. Because it's you, just- you think that Square should just start putting a Square tax on it and, and say like, hey, this is Final Fantasy. Weren't you going to charge you out the ass for it? It works for Apple. Why wouldn't it work for them? How many people uh, would still buy the game? I Fewer. Fewer, yes. But there'd still be enough that the, that the yeah. amount that they... Well, that they, they could always do what Apple does and release it at one price and then wait a month and then lower it. Yeah, yeah. They, they only did that like twice. Expect it to happen again. Probably. Yeah. The iPad will have its price cut within six months. I, I'd almost give it two weeks. I mean... <laughs> I honestly, They might have the price cut before it comes out because uh, someone at Apple was quoted saying like, yeah, we're still kind of flexible on the pricing. Yeah. Here's the thing is I don't even think that the Apple convent, the ones who are just like, it's a new Apple product. I don't care what it is. I'm buying it. Yep. Are Most even of them gonna, aren't, aren't going to buy it. I, yeah, I don't even think the majority of them are going to drink that. All of this could change because Microsoft has been said that they're looking into, which could mean that they've got like a guy saying, well, maybe, maybe not, uh, <laughs> looking into producing Office for the iPad. With that, remember the days when Microsoft and Apple were like pitchforks and, and torches and stuff like that? with each other. Now they're just all... I'm sorry, Johnny, did you ever see the, uh, I think it was the 1995 press conference? No. When Steve Jobs was on stage and said, we we need to put this crap behind us. Microsoft isn't the enemy. And then Bill Gates comes up on the screen behind him. I did not see that. No. You've missed this? I missed that, apparently. Yeah, when Microsoft saved Apple's ass. (laughs) You have perhaps forgotten about this? Do you know why Apple was successful in the late 90s? What year was this? I think it was in 95. Oh, well, that was the time where I was renouncing everything nerd, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, so Apple, your brief history. Steve Jobs does Apple, Apple does great. Steve Jobs goes insane, starts pitting the company against itself, board of directors kicks him out, all right? Mm-hmm. Apple declines for years. Years. Absolute crap. They open up to cloning so that uh, other systems can use their architecture and goes to hell because they can't compete. Steve Jobs is brought back in, he shuts it off again so that no one can clone them, and starts working in the company to to get things back in order. One of the things he does is goes to Microsoft, who, by the way, at this time is in the middle of these giant monopolistic hearings, and says, we need your help, you need our help. Bill Gates says, yeah, that's really true. Okay, we'll give you office and help you stay in business. And in 1995, I think it was 90, Andy, can you confirm it was 95? Trying to think off the top of my head. Am I going to be the one who has to go to Wikipedia? Well, I I misspelled Mac for some odd reason. (laughs) How do you misspell Mac? I spelled it with a V instead of a C, because the C and the V are right next to each other. So Mav Office doesn't really show up as anything. (laughs) 1997, sorry. It was at Macworld in Boston in 1997. That was the year that I started denouncing all things nerds, so. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's Steve Jobs. It's actually before the black turtleneck. uh, And he's up there. Apple is almost bankrupt. And he says, it's time to, to, you know, look at this in a different way. Microsoft isn't the enemy anymore. We are competing alongside them, but not against them. It is no longer a them or us. And Microsoft gave Apple a ton of cash, and they started providing Office for the Mac OS. And now, fast forward, we've got the Mac versus PC ads, Yeah, which basically means Mac versus Windows. I'm sorry, what's Mac's market share? (laughs) Yeah, but what's their stock price? Yeah, way higher. 
I don't know. I think it's somewhere between 2 and 5% of all home PCs. Hey, whatever the stock price is, what really matters. Yeah, really. It's all about the shareholders. It's also about the liquid assets. Yes. You want to guess who has more money, Microsoft or Apple? Microsoft. By a lot. Yeah. So to get back to um, gaming, there's like two gaming topics left on the topic list. Oh, sure. Go for it. The first one is The King is Dead and Wow. Long live the king. Yeah. Have you have you watched the video that plays when you kill the Lich King? No. You should. There's it's a, pretty cool. There's a video that plays? There, like, yeah, ever since ever since Wrath, there have been uh, event videos that play. When certain things happen, when you complete a, a certain quest or get to a certain area, there's a video that plays. So wait, it kicks you out of the game to play a video? No, it doesn't have to kick you out of the game. Oh. So it just takes over cutscene. Yeah, yeah, you get a cutscene. Okay. okay. Well, it seems the world first for killing the Lich King was actually, they got banned for really? three days. For using a glitch that the programmers didn't catch before they killed uh, That's the too bad. Yeah, it seems that they had these bombs that are mainly used for uh, PvP. Mm-hmm. And in the Lich they King fight, they, the floor literally like drops away below you. And like the Lich King takes these minions and he like they pick you up and they literally throw you over the edge to kill you. Mm-hmm. And these bombs would actually regenerate the floor so the minions will just pick you up and then just drop you onto the floor that's too bad which you know blizzard accused them of cheating when it really isn't cheating it is because they knew it was a bug and it's part of the terms of service it's an exploit of a bug Oh, really? That's part of, you can't exploit a bug? I didn't read that in, term, in terms of service. Yeah, it's, it's in the terms of service. You can't exploit bugs. Yeah. Well, that's Blizzard, a, has, Blizzard has every right to kick you out and ban your account if you exploit a bug. That's a big old bag of douche right there. <laughs> it's, it's been like that since the beginning. There was um, yeah. hunters in a long, long time ago. If you had two quivers, oh the quivers yeah. could stack. So you, you would get uh, uh, like a... 20% increase in speed, and then you get a 20% increase of speed on top of that. So the more quivers you had, the more it would stack. So people were going into raids literally with just, like, one bag and a whole bunch of quivers, just so they could just keep on, like, stacking their the, the speed increase. All those people got banned. Yep. It's, it was an entirely uh, a program issue, because somebody said, um, wait, these aren't supposed to stack, but nobody actually put that into the program. So, yeah. Now, generally, like, if you find the bug, Blizzard can be kind of lenient if, if you don't realize you're actually exploiting it, but this is clearly a, a an exploit. But here's and the they, th- they clearly knew that this was not how it was supposed to be, and so they kept doing it. But here's the thing with me, is that if it's a bug, and people know about the bug, to exploit it, you would think maybe Blizzard would know about this bug and I don't know, fix it in the 5,000 patches it does for that game every year? Well, this this is literally like the final boss fight. And so nobody really, they, I don't think they even uh, put it out on the public test realm. I'm not sure if they did or not, since I'm not playing WoW anymore. But I'm guessing this is like the one fight that Blizzard really didn't want to show anybody because it's like... Yeah. Oh yeah, here's here you guys can practice on the final boss of the game during so the public test realm. It's called testing. Hire a couple of guys, give them that level. That- and they probably did, but this is such an obscure little thing that they it just didn't come up in testing. I, yeah, I, I mean, I I don't know. I'm just I I just find it. I, I don't play well, but I just find it extremely sort of like big brother big brotherish communist, I should say that. That Blizzard has this in the terms of service agreement. It says, hey, if you find something that we screwed up in that we didn't catch, that we didn't notice when we programmed this game for you to play, uh, and you use that to your advantage because we didn't catch it or fix it, which we should have done, then uh, you're going to be getting in trouble and not us. And I, I, to me, that just seems really kind of just backstabbing, like just twisting the knife in their, in their players. Okay, well, let's put this in another light. 
Modern Warfare 2. That multiplayer aspect of that game is completely broken. There's the things where, yo, you could have the, the Stinger missile grenade launcher or something like that. So once you get hit, you literally basically turn yourself into a suicide bomber. Mm-hmm. That completely... The multiplayer the Modern Warfare 2 is something that I don't even want to touch with a 10-foot pole because it's just bad. So then they should patch it. This, is, this really is one of those things. It's kind of like, it's, it's like the argument of, vid- of video game violence. It's, you know, there's an off button. The parents should be able to turn it off. The people who make the games should be able to notice that. And if they didn't notice that while, make, while developing the game, they should be able to notice it pretty dang quick when it first comes out and then fix it. It's not, it's not, but it should be the players. Johnny, Johnny, do you know how hard it is to do a hot fix? No. <laughs> I'll admit that fully. No, I don't. Blizzard does their patches every Tuesday. So they, if, if they discover something that's not crit, like absolutely 100% critical, it's put off till Tuesday. If it is absolutely, there have only been, I think, like probably a dozen hot fixes in the game where they patch it in the middle of the week or like immediately. Because first off, you have to shut down all the servers, which means you piss off everyone. Right. Then if you haven't thoroughly tested your patch, you could end up breaking more shit. Well, here's, here's the thing that I don't know about. Wow. When was the first, when was this, these people who killed the Lich King first, when did they do it? Did they do it like within like four hours of the pat of the expansion coming out, or did it just like happen like? A well, month ago? it wasn't when the expansion came out. It was in a, a content update that came out like a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. That's when they beat the the Lich King. Yeah, yeah. This was February eighth, is when the article was posted. And they, and if you read through the rest of the article, it talks about how uh, they did report the bug after they beat the Lich King. They, pro- I'm sure they didn't beat him the first time through. They did beat him on the ten man version previous, where the bug doesn't work. The bug only works in the twenty five man version. God only knows why. <laughs> So they knew that something was up, and they knew that they were cheating. In fact, they've gotten previous suspensions for other things. They knew what they were doing. Uh, I'm not. I'm not saying that that they should be reinstated and given back all their loot and stuff like that. Because yeah, it is kind of it is kind of bad that they were exploring it. But the fact is, is has Blizzard patched this yet? I'm not saying hot fix it. Just in one of their one of their Tuesday patch updates, have they fixed that bug, or are they developing a fix for that bug? Yes, they have fixed it. They have fixed it. Okay. And people yep. have beat the Lich King now on the 25 man normal version without using the bug okay yeah. well that's 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 when i was reading the article i didn't see anything like that so it just kind of looked like blizzard was like yeah we're not going to fix this but if you no no it- no blizzard's gonna fix it it's just they're gonna they aren't going to hot fix it and these guys were cheating so they were banned for three days from the game all their loot was taken away that they gained on this and i think they also got their xp docked however much ever xp they got from this fight probably zero given that i'm sure they were all level 80 probably but they probably did lose the achievement too yeah yeah no, they achievement got taken away as well and like i said it's part of the terms of service so like they should have known not to do that but i'm just saying is that to have that in your terms of service to say hey our game will probably be broken so if you use anything that is broken in the game uh to help you with the game then uh you're in trouble that just that doesn't seem right to me in 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 the simple fact of not they should keep it in there so that people can exploit it but in the simple fact of that's basically them saying well we we have we we don't really want to finish this game but it's not not like they're really trying to hide this. It's right there in the terms of service. Yes, Dave, because... Um, I, hey, I read the terms of service. Yeah, Dave, I think you're the only person I know who actually reads terms of services. No, I actually only read that terms of service. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I read it one time when... I, um, I never that. Yeah, I, I read it once when I was waiting for a patch to download, and there's some pretty fun stuff in there, like it's not Blizzard's fault if the game has been interrupted due to a bus strike. Yeah, it's... 
Yeah, they're, they're here, right here. It is in section nine, code of conduct, part C, subparagraph I. Okay, just stop. Are exploiting errors in design features which have not been documented and or program bugs to gain access that is otherwise not available or to obtain a competitive advantage over other players. This is part of the rules related to gameplay. That is to say, you cannot do this. And they all knew that because they've done it before. <laughs> I didn't, and I, and I understand. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. You're not saying that they're not to blame, but I, I think Blizzard is completely within their rights and in fact i encourage more companies to take this stance if people exploit the bugs exploit not just uncover uncovering a bug is fine but it's the the willful knowledge of using that bug to take the advantage but it could be all cut off at the head if the game companies stop trying to put something out there and actually looking at what they're doing they wouldn't even need to have that in the terms of service because there wouldn't be any bugs to, to, to exploit yeah, but johnny the get you the game is enormous I there's no way to test it for all the bugs i I understand that, and I understand why they have it in the terms of service. I understand all that. It's just that to me, it's a, I don't. It, I have it, this. It would be like asking them to to play through the entire game so that it can be properly rated. <laughs> it's just too big. And there's new stuff coming out. What, like every two weeks? Yeah, pretty much. Well, I also think that World of Warcraft is a stupid game, anyway. So, <laughs> all right. Well, there we go. Yeah, now that, we come to the crux of the issue. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but uh, um, one quick thing on the terms of service: wouldn't it be easier if they have like all the legal mumbo jumbo that you have to click "I agree" to and stuff like that? But then have like a little link in the top right hand corner of the box that says, "Here's a summary of what we're saying," and then have someone who can translate that into simple one sentence English read the terms of service and like for each paragraph. I, I have a, a single sentence for it. Yeah. Actually, sorry, two sentences. One, don't be a dick. <coughs> two, don't cheat. Well, I mean, for every terms of service, so that it's so, oh, you know, like, yeah. like, like each section, like for, for well, the... no, because then you're, you're, from a legal standpoint, I don't think you'd want that. I think you want people to either have to read it or pretend that they read it, and then when they come and, it, 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 you know, they complain, like, oh, your terms of service didn't say this. You say, fuck that. You said that you read it, and it says it explicitly. You don't want anything vague. Vagueness oh can lead to problems. Oh, but what I'm saying is that you keep the legal copy. That That's the one that they right. actually got. But you, like you don't want any sort of vagueness, because if you have this side implied thing, then people may, might be able to argue like, oh, but, you know, that wasn't clear in this, and that's what I was going off of. Uh, well, maybe. I don't know. I just think that they can get rid of a lot of the words in there and still be pretty concise and direct. Yeah, it's actually, the terms of service isn't that bad. The, the EULA is awful. The terms of service really isn't that bad. No cheating, no automation software, hack, mods or any unauthorized third-party software defined, designed to modify the World of Warcraft experience. Yeah, that's not bad. What? what? Force majeure. What? What? Huh? Blizzard shall not be liable for any delay or failure to perform resulting from causes outside the reasonable control of Blizzard, including without limitation any failure to perform here, un here under due to unforeseen circumstances or caused beyond Blizzard's control, such as acts of God, terrorism, war, riots, embargoes, and acts of civil or military authorities, fire floods, accidents, strikes, or shortage. This is what Andy was talking about with the bus strike. Yeah, he must have changed the wording because I remember like bus strike i'm like what are the buses not gonna work uh, it just says strikes or shortage of transportation facilities fuel energy labor and materials ah it's saying that if if something else happens blizzard isn't responsible for yeah that's, maintaining that's the service. almost everything that is outside outside the like flu yeah. outbreak yeah I think that All would right. be an active guy. Anyway, we have a lot of more other stuff to, to kind of cover. Um, okay, quickly, January numbers, they're down compared to last year. Big surprise. That's, that's the trend. Surprise. Yeah, Wii is still on top. DS is second. Xbox 360 takes the bronze, though, unlike last month where the PS3 was 
third. Mm-hmm. Um, I think think now that they're both going to be fighting it out month to month. I'm almost sure next month that PS3 is going to get the bronze again too, with Heavy Rain coming out this month. So yeah, and then Nintendo is just they don't even worry about one and two anymore. Um, Super Mario Brothers Wii was the number one game again. Yeah, I, I Mass would. Effect Two, which came out like middle of the month, is actually had a half over half a million January twentieth, I think, if my memory serves me correctly from working at Target. So yeah, that was over half a million there. We Fit yeah. Plus with the balance board was third. Call of Duty Modern Warfare was fourth. Mario Kart was fifth. Wii Sports sixth. Modern Warfare on the PS3 was seventh. Army of Two, wow, was eighth. Just Dance. Now I have the song going through my head. Great. Uh, so yeah, those are the numbers. Things were down and Nintendo is still on top. Penis armed villains. Literally. Ah. <laughs> Penis armed villains. They're literally pe- the fucking British. <laughs> You the can, game is so horribly awesome, though. It's 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 a question battler. <laughs> they ask you a question, you get it right, you can take down the enemy. You get it wrong, you get an STD. No, 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 no. You get an evil sperm being shot out of the guy's arm at you. Ah. Question. And if you get it wrong, you either you take it, take the brunt of it, which is funny because you can play as a virgin, or if you get it right, they put up different shields. And I, I played a little bit of this as, as the virgin character because it was just the first character I just wanted to get a little thing on that her shield is a condom shield and she literally says condom shield wow you, you can play as captain condom power pap willie the kid or wonder vag you sh- you should open up on, on. sperminator wow. let me let me, uh, let me pull up the descriptions of them in the game real fast <laughs> um i saw this and i just honestly i couldn't pass it up because literally it's the guy has penis arms <laughs> it's so bad <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, Johnny, are you still looking? Yeah, I'm. I'm getting there. It took me just a couple seconds. Okay, I need to take a drink of water. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Flash game. Click through. Damn it. Ah! Ah! Johnny, close it down. Close it down. Oh, Johnny, the descriptions aren't that important. <laughs> What happened? We heard the theme song. Really? Really loudly. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was, it was coming over the line. <laughs> Let's be sure if my dad's computer then. Okay, so moving away from games into the internet, Verizon oh, blocks... Oh, on time real fast. Uh, we've got about 10, 15 minutes left. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm um, not Anthony. You can't get me talking about music, so... <laughs> All right, so Verizon blocked 4chan. Is it still blocked for Verizon? No, oh. it, it was unblocked. I think people in Verizon realized who they were blocking. No, I, I think that the, the issue was resolved. Hmm. Uh, 4chan was, was another... It, it got DDoS'd, and so Verizon said, whoa, hang on, too much of, of our traffic starting to come from your site, and so they blocked it, and then they unblocked it. So wait, 4chan was getting DDoSed, so Verizon blocked 4chan? I guess... No, I think I think that was just like a blurb in the first paragraph where they were saying last year AT&T blocked 4chan because AT&T was getting DDoSed. Uh, it might have been the other way. I just read the status update on the board, so I have to go back and look at it again. Where is it? There it is, 4chan I, status. I don't touch 4chan. I just don't. <laughs> no greater yes. hive of scum so, and villainy. 4chan was the target of a, of a denial of service attack. Uh... Since the server used spoofed IP addresses, our server attempted to complete a handshake with clients that had not initiated a connection. These packets were uh, would have been seamlessly discarded by the client. Uh, at some point, a Verizon wireless customer or employee noticed these seemingly random inbound packets and escalated the issue. So 4chan was getting DDoSed, but the way that they were getting DDoSed is they ended up trying to talk to a lot of Verizon servers. Oh. And so Verizon said, fuck it, we're blocking you. 
Okay. <laughs> so they basically did exactly what AT&T did was just, oh, we have a slight problem coming from 4chan. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> yeah. Block it off completely. Yep. I love how the fact that the people of 4chan probably realize that they are like the dark and weird uncle of the internet, but yet whenever anyone's like blocks them because it's 4chan, like without asking any questions, they get mad about it, and it's like, well... Well, it's because they actually aren't doing anything. I mean, yeah, it, I'm sure if they started doing something and then got blocked for it, they were like, well, yeah, I mean, we, we kind of deserve that, but they didn't do it. <laughs> so it's, it's one of those things where like your reputation brings it on yourself. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they change, see. Change. Yeah, they see. They see problems with 4chan. They're like, uh oh, stop this one, nip it in the bud. Yeah, I, I could see that. Speaking of um, attacks and technology, there's a thing in Europe called uh, chip and pin. This is uh, a setup with their debit and credit cards, basically to help secure against. Um, trying to basically swipe data from the magnetic strip on the back of credit cards. So this is okay. like this is like the future of credit cards, basically. And the protocol has been hacked. Oops. So there's basically it, it turns out that when they looked at the card, the the pin verification. There's like you can you can do a pin verification, you can do a signature verification, or you can do no verification depending mm-hmm. on the type of thing there. And they basically did a man in the middle attack where they were talking between the card reader and the card itself. Mm. So they found out exactly what happens no matter what if the pin's correct. It sends this hexadecimal code to the card reader, and the card reader will talk back to the card. But if you do a man-in-the-middle attack, you can just tell the card, oh, yeah, this was the correct thing. So the card will send the right... It's a whole explanation in there, but it seems that this wonderful technological security device has already been cracked. Oops. Yeah. So now what? (laughs) So now with these... Biometrics. Yeah, with these new credit cards, you could either, let's see, with the RFID chips, you could take that data, you could take the data off the magnetic strip, or now you can just completely bypass the chip and pin stuff. Call mm-hmm. me paranoid big brother, but uh, but biometrics, no, never, no, don't ever do that. No? No, because it's going to be too easy for people then, because with technology increasing, so does the hacking ability. So if we put the technology in something where it's a biometric kind of thing, it's going to be very soon before we all have basically a virus. Because someone decides to hack the security in that. What? Are, are you suggesting someone could program a virus to infect us through biometrics? Well, well no, it, it, not specifically per se. But with technology is that I don't want any sort of technology in my body or have to do with my body or anything no, like no, that. No, no, no. That's, that's not what biometrics is. Oh, okay. I might be thinking of something else then. You're thinking of bionics. Probably. <laughs> biometrics is using things like your retina scan and your fingerprints. Things that you really cannot duplicate. Eh. At least not very easily. But... Th- the, the bio, well, the, here's the problem is, though, like biometrics would basically be in replace of the pin, but you could still do a, a man in the middle. Yeah, this, yeah it doesn't matter yeah. if you have like a whole like the card will swipe your finger because it will still basically use your fingerprint in order to access the pin that's stored on the card. Right. And this attack, it doesn't matter what the pin is on the card. You can basically just hijack the, the data link between the, the, the swipe machine and your card and you can override it, basically. Yeah, it's basically saying that, that there's there's something in between. Between where the card reader is and the processor. And there's something in between that's saying, yeah, the card just went through the card reader. He ended it in his right pin. You don't even need the card. Yeah. So it's – biometrics would not help in this situation. Yeah. Because it, it still boils down to a single hexadecimal line that says, yes, the pin is verified. Now, wasn't there – going back because I think – I think I might be talking about something else because wasn't there like a rumor that, that like governments were, were planning on, put, on implanting chips in people's arms and that like had all your bank account information and all that and, you know, your social security yeah, the number? the problem with that is if it's like a radio chip, then you can just pick it up and rebroadcast it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh my goodness, we're all, uh, technology is paranoid now. 
it seems. It, Although I like the guy, I like the guy utilizing the new uh, International Space Station. Yeah, the the the, the astronaut who's using the uh, internet access on uh, on the ISS to post twit pics. It, it sounds, 100 millimeter lens. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say it's funny at the first thing, but when you actually see the guy's pictures, you're like, this is kind of awesome. <laughs> you look at the size of that lens. That is bigger than my arm. I think the the actual lens opening at the end is bigger than my head. <laughs> 12 pounds. Yep. Well, have you seen uh, uh, Dark Fibers Lens at PAX? Oh, it was pretty big. It's probably one of those, uh, I forget what the millimeters is, but it's probably the same ones that you use on the NFL. Yeah, I think it's probably like 400. Somewhere between four and eight. Oh man, that, it's it's crazy, but it's it's cool. The astronauts are like, "Hey, let's post some pictures. Why not?" Especially now when they get that new uh, the new node attached. You're yeah. on the, one of the funniest things watching Twitter uh, yesterday with the uh, uh, the Georgian loser who died, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, there was actually an article because everyone was talking about that right after it happened. There was an article about two hours later that said most people got their news of the loser dying off of Twitter, and I actually looked at it and said, "Well, yeah." <laughs> It's the quickest way out. Yeah, there's so many people on there that all you need is one interesting news story, and then people are going to keep retweeting it. Yep. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see what else we got. We got uh, science has a new quantum clock that is more accurate than our current quantum clock. We don't have a quantum clock. We have an atomic clock. Well, yeah, but th- I guess there's a, there's this an, one's a quantum clock. Yeah, but yeah. there's also an, there was also another uh, quantum clock. Oh, okay. Yeah, but 3.7 billion years without losing or gaining a second. So that how do they determine that? I guess by just taking the minuscule <laughs> amount that it does lose and then just keep on extrapolating it out until it hits one second but what if it what if it's like an exponential kind of thing then it would show as they track it over like a couple days weeks it would show an exponential curve i don't know i can, I can never get my mind around. It, in fact it could be exponential it's just a very 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 small base three point yeah the current clock is one second within a hundred million years so who knows but yeah it's it's a whole bunch of my, stuff my with, question is like you'd lose more than that due to relativity from from like shifting the the speed of the orbit of the earth that's true yeah you you move it around uh, to like anywhere so it's probably like two billion years it'll lose a second yeah i don't know but yeah the, these clocks are becoming quite precise which is interesting because they're using time now as basically all the the standard as the base for all the standard measurements yeah so the more precise we get with time we could actually find out that a kilogram really isn't a kilogram and that this thing isn't that thing and that it could actually adjust all of our scientific calculations cool so that's why that's why they're trying to find a very very precise clock because I I thought a kilogram was de- like being defined as something, though. Well, a kilogram is actually based off of the the weights that are uh, currently in France. There's like a, a lead weight yeah. that adjusts in dimension, but they're trying to base it uh, base a kilogram off of. Um, shoot, what are they trying to base it off of now? Probably the amount of mass that it takes to do such and such within a given amount of time, or something like that. Yeah, here's what I would like to know: is how do they know with this ultra precise clock that it's losing or gaining a second? Like, what is the what is the comparative What's the word? What, what do they compare it to, to 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 measure the gain or loss of of time? Well, a second is is oh god, no, no, I I feel like I'm driving myself into a circle because I'm trying to remember. I think a second is defined as the time it takes for light to travel some distance. But then, how are we defining the distance and the this and the that? Um. Well, I thought the clock was the second was based off of actually how many vibrations a cesium atom. Um, no, I think that's how we're, we were measuring it. Yeah, yeah that, but that's still that, that is still how the um, the cesium clock is the basis for um, a second. Okay. So it's basically so, I think how many times a cesium or like a second is 
you blast a cesium atom with a certain frequency of light or microwave or some sort of electronic ma- uh, radiation. And then okay, a second yeah. is how long till the cesium atom vibrates a certain amount of times, if I remember correctly. This is like... Yeah, I've, I've got it on Wikipedia. Second is the duration of 9,192,631,770 periods of the radiation corresponding to the transition between the two hyperfine levels of the ground state of the cesium-133 atom. I'm smart. I so that's the definition not- of a second. Yeah, yeah. I have to maybe about two words of that. <laughs> yeah, well, so that's that's how they're measuring a second. And then, so with that and the speed of light, since that is a constant, you can start defining distance. Right. And once you have distance and time and the speed of light, then I think you can start defining things like mass. Yeah, so that's, so there, there you it's, go. It's a question of measuring that and being yeah. able to use it is why they want this ultra, 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 ultra exact clock. Yeah, and that, that and that was the question: is just how do they define time? Well, there you go. It's that with cesium. Okay. With cesium, I still don't quite understand. But there's neither the do I. But there's the answer. <laughs> I understand it. So, um, uh, Google Buzz just quickly it came out. I'm not sure exactly what it does. I think it just is. We'll, I think we'll talk more about it next week. Okay, when so we have time so to I'll, learn about it. Mark. Yeah, it, I could I could tell you from what I know, it's Twitter with your actual email addresses, which makes no sense. Yeah. So um, somebody wants to have the Nobel Peace Prize be the internet next year. Well, Obama got it, so why not? <laughs> that would be a really long necklace band. <laughs> that or <laughs> it's just a virtual it. one. I I would I would man. It, so it's either going to go at like the the Department of Defense and ARPA, well DARPA, I guess. Yeah. Uh, or somewhere on U of M's North Campus. Those are my <laughs> oh, two oh, suggestions oh. for where you'd put the prize. Or Al Gore. No, not Al Gore. Speaking of DARPA, um, the Gar- DARPA Grand Challenge a couple of years ago, the Stanford racing team who got second place at the Urban Challenge. I want to see this. Um, they basically took over an Audi sports car, the TTS, and they're adding um, like gyroscopes and GPS and a whole bunch of other stuff to integrate it into the Audi electronic controlled system for the braking and the steering and everything. And they cool. want to do the Pikes Peaks race course at race speeds. I want to I want to see this so because it's either going to end with them making it up the course which would be awesome or, or it's going to crash like gloriously edge and falling down thousands of feet which would be even more awesome. Yeah. Actually, you know what's going to happen is it'll just like it won't start. <laughs> yeah, more than likely that's probably what's going to happen. But that'll we'll get it to the starting line and it'll just sit there. <laughs> oh, I don't want to do. I don't want to go. You can't make me. <laughs> don't make me go up the hill, mommy. Don't make me. <laughs> It'll be stuck in reverse. It'll, it'll be something so anticlimactic. Yeah. No, but I would miss pa- like if I know I don't think Pikes Peak is the same weekend of, of Pax Prime, but since I'm going to be up in that area, if it was, I would mix miss Pax just to watch this. It'd be really cool if like we could get a live broadcast sent to Pax because oh. all the nerds there would be like, ah, <laughs> yeah, seriously, a, a race car that can drive itself. Think mm-hmm. about like when you start integrating that into like the F1 series and stuff. It will just be crazy. Oh, geez, F1 is already just so tech technologically advanced i know how much do those cars cost millions and millions of dollars they're so advanced though dave um there's a clip it was originally done on top gear where they actually they could get the engine to play god save the queen yep (laughs) (laughs) no what i love is that one is i think it's i think it might have been the same episode um but they tried to do to break the indoor speed record for a car with an f1 car and they used uh the suzuki liara to do like the base test and the suzuki liara has the record for the fastest speed indoors because the f1 car was so put so much 
much power to the wheels that the rubber kept slipping on the concrete. It couldn't transfer any of the power to the to the ground. So the Suzuki Liara would actually went faster than the F1 car indoors. <laughs> Gotta love that torque. Now, was the God Save the Queen, was that MIDI-based or just hard-coded into it? They never they never said it, but it was basically they used the RPMs. Like yeah, I know. Specific RPMs would produce which note out of the engine. And, and just, the engine could switch back between them so quickly? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Wow. Have you a ever really seen those engine. things turn? This F1 cars literally turn on a dime. Like, if you watch a race... You'll see him coming down a stretch at like 80 miles an hour and then just 90 degree right hand turn. Jesus. And then just go off again. There's actually, there's a, the Porsche just announced a new race car that, um, it's got a flywheel built in. So the braking will, will start to spin this flywheel and then you can hit a button six to eight seconds after you brake that will add 168 horsepower from the flywheel back to your acceleration. So not only are you accelerating with the engine, you can get a boost from the energy that you basically used up to actually break the car. The the problem with that is that it means it's harder to turn. Well, yeah, but once you're past the turn, you can just hit the button, and past the turn is just basically all a straight-line acceleration, and you let right. you let inertia straighten harder, out the car. It is harder to turn. It's going to take them a lot of practice to, to kind of intuit the transition, the, the, why am I thinking, the level of the flywheel and the speed of the flywheel and how much that's going to impact their turn. Well, yeah, but still, if they're able it, to... No, it's a brilliant idea. Yeah. Well, you're just going to take all the energy we just basically used up to stop the car and then it, just put it fact, back into acceleration. It, it should actually help the car brake. It should allow you to brake faster. Man, driving is so much fun now. Yeah. All right, so uh, we're going to skip the rest of these unless, random topic. Unless you're in a Prius. <laughs> or a Camry. <laughs> or evidently, uh, uh, was it Hondas are having problems now? Basically, yeah. raise your hand if you don't drive a Toyota. I am raising my hand. Okay, so random topic I rolled ahead of time. Um, number three was Stargate versus Doctor Who. I am a Stargate fan. Johnny is a Doctor Who fan, and Dave is that a Trekkie. What you're talking about. <laughs> so I um, Stargate. Um, well, you had Richard and Dean Anderson for a good seven years. Johnny, who was your big star of Doctor Who? Uh, that would all depend. Uh, it could either be uh, it could either be David Tennant, the most recent one, who's or- now gone. Who's now gone? Or uh, one of the Bakers? I think it was Tom Baker. I think he's the, one of the most popular ones right now. Really cool, really crazy. And there's been about eleven people playing the Doctor, so that's the point that you're getting at, Andy. Yeah, the, we had consistency with Stargate. Doctor Who, literally a new Doctor every couple of years. Except that Doctor Who is possibly the only show that has yet to jump the shark by changing out its lead characters' actors. That is true. Yeah, uh, Stargate because they wrote it into the story that they can change their lead actor. Exactly. Okay, now Stargate went for eight seasons. Atlantis, which I, yeah, that went for about a year and a half before it jumped the shark. How long has Doctor Who been going for? Uh, it went on continuously from 1960 to, I believe, the er- like the late 1960s to, I think, the early 1980s. And then there were a few movies in there, and then it just started up again, I think, in 2000, if I remember correctly. So you could spend days just sitting there watching Doctor Who and not get a repeat. Exactly. And you'd also not watch all the episodes because there's actually a few that the BBC uh, taped over, basically. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Um... Well, they have comedic value, I'm guessing, in both of them. Oh, yeah. Um, we've got, so we got sci-fi connections. Um, what about tech? Let's talk about the tech. The tech. 
well, they're uh, well, you have military hardware because Stargate was actually approved for by the um, the U.S. Air Force. They were actually like they were behind the show. They were officially allowed a to sponsor. Be, or? Well, not really a sponsor, but they had gotten the official like nod from the Air Force. Um, there was some scientific technology. Some of it went a little bit crazy at the end, especially with like the whole alternate dimension stuff. But yeah, and then you have the actual gate itself. Yes, the actual star gate itself, and all of that technology. And this, and then the spaceships, and then you had the replicators. Mm. Okay, so Doctor Who tech, what do you got? A police box and a screwdriver. <laughs> I gotta give that one to Doctor Who because that just sounds cool. Also known as the TARDIS, the time and relative dimension in space machine, and the sonic screwdriver, which is one of the most awesome pieces of pocket-sized tech ever. Okay, villains. Um, well, you had you had the um, God. I can't even remember the original villains from Stargate. No, the Ori was the most recent. The replicators were recent. The uh, the vampire guys were recent. But the, yeah, some of the bad guys just weren't that cool. What were the, what were the main bad guys in Doctor Who? Oh, there are a lot of them. There are uh, the Cybermen, which are a group of humans that have been turned into machines. Okay, so the replicators, basically. Replicators. Uh, let's see. Um, what else? What are some of the other main ones? Oh, man. B.A. is going to kill me if she ever listens to this. Shh. Don't tell her. <laughs> um, well, I wanted to save this until last because I know there's other villains that are out there. But uh... Oh, wait. No, there's, there's another one. The Master. He's, he's uh, Supposedly, the whole storyline behind the Doctor is that the Doctor is the last of the Time Lords. But there's actually another Time Lord out there called the Master uh, who's, who's really just... Basically, like, the opposite of the Doctor. <laughs> so, like, just like yeah. the Doctor, but opposite. Yeah, it's like if you take the same schizophrenia sort of thinking that the Doctor has but put it in an evil guy, that's the Master. Uh, and then, but then possibly my all-time favorite villain of anything, just simply because they're so simple, but because they're so simple, they are that damn scary, the, da- the Daleks. The Daleks, which can be defeated by a flight of stairs. Yes. Not anymore, though. Yes, they have- but <laughs> you, you, could, you could hide from a Dalek behind a couch, and they won't see you. Or you could just run up a flight of stairs during the original Doctor Who series. Yeah, but the thing is, though, is that you can't fight them. The only thing you can really do is run away. Now, of course, the Doctor finds ways to destroy them and stuff like that. But as far as us humans go, there's nothing we can do except run. All right, Dave, Dave who, do you, only... who do you think for villains? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Dave, you're supposed to be paying attention so you can rule on this one. Stargate versus Doctor Who. Oh, well, see, the problem with that is that I made up my mind a while ago. <laughs> Damn it. Right. Sorry, Andy. Wait, wait, what? you're going with Doctor Who? I think I might be going with who. Damn it. It just sounds too much like coup. Oh, that's <laughs> no fair. Therefore, it wins. Hey, have you seen the most recent Penny Arcade TV episode, the second part of the ping pong show? Yes, with the, the coup woo. The coup woo, yes. Oh my God, that is that's amazing. so awesome how they set that up. That was, was beautiful. <laughs> I would Absolutely. like to put this ruling on appeal. <laughs> Do we have bananas? Damn it. Oh. All right, before this thing goes off any deeper, um, Johnny, uh, would you like to plug anything? Uh, yes, I'm going to plug him really quickly. Epic Default is going to be coming back online on Friday. We're recording a podcast, and uh, we're doing the transfer of power on that show. And it's it's going to be coming back uh, to be more updated a little bit more regularly than it usually has. Uh, if you're going to PAX East, uh, look at look out for an inflatable shark. Uh, I'm uh, putting together an event called Jump the Shark for Child's Play. You can go on the Penny Arcade forums. Uh, at PAX and look for that thread for any info that's coming out on that. 
And in March, I should have a uh, Chiptunes album coming out. I'm not absolutely sure where it's going to be released. I'm trying to talk to Pterodactyl Squad to see if maybe they uh, can uh, host it and release it for me. Uh, but be on the lookout for uh, on my Twitter, and I'm sure you guys would probably post it if I if I post anything. And to EpicDefault.com for more information on that. Well, that was quite succinct. Wow. I think I used nice. succinct, right? Did I? I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm just still pissed. It's, oh, I picked Doctor Who because it's, it rhymes right, with Who. It's on appeal. Okay. I, it is on appeal pending investigation and and viewing. Well, let's let's put it this way. Both shows are good. Yeah. It's just your personal preferences, and if you like the more weirder stuff and not the straightforward sci-fi stuff, Doctor Who is your thing. If you like the straightforward sort of military-esque science science sciencey stuff, then Stargate's going to be your thing. Yeah. So I, I tend to go for British humor is the thing. That, yeah, and, that, and that's what Doctor Who does have that Stargate doesn't really. Right. And I am a fan of British television, so I might actually have to, at some point, I was going to say try and catch up with the backlog of Doctor Who, but I don't have years to uh, put away to this. Really, really, if you start with Eccleston, which is the which is the beginning of the newest Doctor series, uh, and then just watch from there, you pretty much catch up on ev- on everything. Uh, the other episodes are really just for if you really want the detail into the backstory of it. But they pretty much do a pretty good job of of setting up all the villains, all the history, all that stuff with, within the Eccleston series. And then Tenet just takes off with it. Okay. Well, um, Johnny, thanks for another episode. Um, we're currently at an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, boy. So, Have fun, Andy. Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to stop recording now. <laughs>